Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett coming to you on the Monday broadcast. So thankful that you are joining us today. And my, we are excited about this time of the year. This is the most wonderful time of the year. We're well into November. Won't be too much longer. We'll be singing Christmas carols and uh, getting ready for the most blessed holiday of the year, Christmas. And I'm so glad that you're joining us today. We have been going through a series at Hickory Ridge Community Church called Prodigal God. And as we go through this series, we've had a lot of good time as we look at the study of the prodigal son. And I'm so excited to announce to you that we are back into the prison and we have a very active ministry at Indian Creek Correctional Center. We're so excited to be back in there. And it's going to kind of be a a slow start because of some of the lingering effects of COVID. But uh, as we go back into the institution, would you pray for us, right? And just pray that God opens up opportunities for us to share the gospel with these men. And uh, these men are hungry for the truth, hungry to hear the good news of the gospel not only to be converted to Christ, but also to grow in Christ. And that's why we go into the institution. And uh, you may not know this, but right in our backyard, right here in the Hampton Roads area, we have the largest therapeutic community in the United States. Indian Creek Correctional Center is a therapeutic community. And uh, these guys that are uh, residing there now will soon be back at home. And many of them, I would say most of them, live in the Greater Hampton Roads area. So if you are interested in prison ministry, uh, I'm going to give you my cell phone. You can shoot me a text, give me a call, and uh, we'd love to get you connected with uh, this ministry. And uh, it's 252-267-2365. 252-267-2365. You can send me a text. You can leave me a voicemail, and I'll call you back just as soon as I can. But if you are interested in prison ministry, give me a holler. And uh, we will see what we can do to get you trained, uh, to get you the necessary uh, preparations to go into the institution. And I promise you, you'll have a great time as you minister to those men. Well, we're looking at this subject of heaven today. That's right, heaven. One of my favorite subjects. As a matter of fact, to prepare for this message, I sent out a, a Facebook post and I asked a simple question. And the simple question is, I am most looking forward to heaven because, and then fill in the blank. And so I had a lot of good responses back from this simple little question, why are you looking so forward to heaven? And uh, there's so many things that we know about heaven. As a matter of fact, the book that talks most about heaven is the book of Revelation. And the chapter that specifically gives us a lot of information about heaven is Revelation chapter 21. So we're going to be looking at that chapter. And uh, this is a two-part message today. And we're talking about how hope is defined as home, or, or hope is found in heaven. And before I get into the message, I want to give you my little dad joke, okay? A man arrives at the pearly gates of heaven, and he says to St. Peter, uh, as he's talking to St. Peter, St. Peter says, well, why should I let you into God's heaven? And this guy replies, well, I'm a Methodist. A Methodist, says St. Peter. Well, let me look down my list. And he says, well, sure enough, uh, your name is on the list. You go to room 24. But as you walk by room number eight, make sure that you're really quiet, okay? Then another man arrives into the pearly gates, and St. Peter says, well, well, what's your religion? And the guy says, well, I'm a Baptist. Well, that's great to know. Peter looks on his list and says, ah, yes, you are on my list. Go to room number 18. But as you're going by room number eight, make sure that you're really quiet, okay? Don't talk as you're walking by room number eight. Walk by real quietly. Well, a third man came in and said to St. Peter, I want to be led into God's heaven. 
Peter says, well, what kind of religion are you? This man says, well, by, I'm a Presbyterian. Well, St. Peter looks down his list and says, okay, it looks like you are good. Uh, come on in, and I want you to go to room number 11. But as you go by room number eight, make sure you're really quiet, okay? Don't talk as you walk by room number eight. The man says, well, you know, I can understand there being different rooms for different denominations, but why must I be quiet when I go past room number eight? St. Peter tells him, well, the Pentecostals are on room number eight, and they think they're the only ones up here. (laughs) Well, I don't know if you're Pentecostal today or Presbyterian or Baptist or Methodist, but in reality, it doesn't really matter because we are only going to be going to heaven because of the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. You know, there's a lot of bad teaching about heaven. There's a lot of misunderstandings about heaven. As a matter of fact, about six months ago, Stephen Corbett, the host of the Late Night Show, asked Ringo Starr this question. What happens when you die? Ringo Starr replied, well, I think we go to heaven. Corbett asked, well, what's heaven like? Ringo Starr replied, heaven's great, but you don't stay there very long. You just got to get yourself together again and deal with all this stuff down on earth again. That's what's going to happen when you die. You come on back. Now, that's some bad teaching right there because the Bible is very clear. Heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people, and the Bible talks about the fact for those who know Christ to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so let's talk about heaven today. Let's talk about what heaven looks like. And I want you to know that God offers us hope, and it puts all of the hopes to shame. What are you hoping on today? Where are you putting your confidence in today? You know, I've been doing a lot of thinking about this. As I get older, it seems like there's a lot of things that I can put my hope in, I can put my confidence in, but there's very few things that I would put all of my hope into, right? Uh, You think about your wife. Man, I'm so thankful for my wife. I've got a wonderful life. She loves the Lord, and uh, we've been married for 32 years, and and we have a wonderful marriage. God has blessed us with five amazing children, and uh, my daughter is married, and and my son's getting ready to get married, and I've got another son getting ready to go into the Coast Guard, and I've got a son uh, who has autism, and I've got another son who lives in the Greenbrier area. And uh, so we have these five wonderful children, and uh, we are so blessed. But I was thinking one day about that. If all of my hope, all of my confidence is in my family, what happens when something happens to them? My world will be dashed. What happens if something happens to my wife or one of my children, and all of my hope is in them? I want you to know I'll be greatly disappointed. Maybe you're listening to me today and you said, man, I've got my hope not in my family, but I've got my hope in my job, right? And uh, I've got a great job and I've got good uh, benefits with this job. I make a good income and I tell you what, I'm doing really good at my job and I'm so thankful to hear that. I'm so excited that you're doing so well in your job. That's a good thing. You know, the Bible says that, that we ought to be working and it says, you know, if we don't work, we shouldn't eat and, uh, and work is not a curse, right? Work is a blessing. I'm so thankful for your job, right? And so thankful that you're doing well on your job. But what's going to happen if one day your job is no longer there? What if they close down the company? Or what if they lay you off? Or what if they say, we no longer need your services? What are you going to do then? If all your hope is in your career, when your career is gone, what's going to happen? Well, maybe today you're saying, well, I've discovered I can't trust anybody but me. I'm going to put all my trust in me. And if it's to be, it's going to be because of me. I'm going to trust me, myself, and I. 
You know, it may work a little while for you. If you got good health, you got good mind, and you got a strong body, and you're able to put some things together, uh, you're able to take care of yourself, you are self-sufficient. And uh, But what's going to happen when you get older? I find an amazing thing happens as I'm getting older. My eyesight has started to dim, and I was talking to one of our older members just Sunday at church, and, and she said to me, she's 87 years old, and she says, now, Pastor, if I had known I was going to live so long, I would have taken better care of myself. She says, I'm at a stage in my life where everything hurts, and what doesn't hurt doesn't work. And I want you to know, as you get older, you might have to have somebody help you out to help you along, Right. Because as we get older, things tend to fall apart. So what are you going to do when you, when you no longer can take care of yourself and you've put all of your confidence in yourself to take care of things? Oh, I want you to know the hope that God offers us far exceeds any hope that you can find in this world. Well, let's talk about heaven. Genesis 1.1, it says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, I love this verse, right? And I used to say, you know, I know that the Bible talks about baseball, right? Because in Genesis 1-1, it says, in the big inning, right? (laughs) In the beginning. uh, I play on baseball, right? Uh, Sorry about that really bad joke. But in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You know, that word heaven is found 622 times in the New International Version of the Bible. Charles Spurgeon says this, There beats a heart in heaven that always loves us, a tongue that always pleads for us, and an arm that always fights for us. 622 times the Bible talks about heaven. Now, when the Bible talks about heaven, it's talking about one of three places. The first heaven is called the atmospheric heaven. The first heaven is that sky, right, where we see the birds fly. We learn about this first heaven in Genesis 1. It talks about the fact that God called the expanse of the sky heaven. In other words, when you look out and you see the sky where the clouds are, that's the first heaven. Now, Elijah, remember when he prayed and he prayed that the heaven would give rain? And the Bible says that the heavens gave forth rain and the earth produced fruit. That rain came from the sky. The floodgates of heaven opened as Elijah prayed for rain. If you understand the biblical account of the flood, remember when God flooded the whole earth and God saves Noah and his family? When that flood took place, the Bible says the gates of heaven were opened during the flood and then they were closed off at the end of the flood. So what is that talking about? When you think about the floodgates of heaven, they were opened and then they were closed. God is opening up the sky when it rains, then he closes off the sky when the rain stops. In Genesis chapter 11, we see that after the flood, remember after Noah and his family were saved, they were to populate the earth, and we don't get too many chapters into the Bible, and we discover that man became wicked again and wanted to build a town up into the heavens. That was the atmospheric heaven. You see, they couldn't even reach past the first heaven. They couldn't get past the atmospheric heaven. That's the first heaven. Now, the second heaven is called the celestial heaven. This second heaven is what we would call outer space. And it says in Matthew chapter 24, which is a prophetic passage. Now, Jesus is talking about what's going to happen in the future. He gathers his disciples together and he says, guys, this is what's going to happen in the future. 
Now, let me set the context of where we are in Matthew 24 before I read this verse, okay? So the next event on God's calendar, I'm so excited about this. The next event on God's calendar is the rapture of the church. That is where those who know Christ will be caught up in the air to meet the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 5 says that the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet him in the sky. So this is the rapture. Now, I know the word rapture never appears in the Bible. It is that word caught up. The word rapture is never found in the Bible, but the concept is throughout Scripture. The next event on God's calendar is the rapture of the church. Well, Jesus is talking about the rapture of the church in Matthew 24, and after the rapture, there's going to be seven years of tribulation. This seven years of tribulation is going to be divided into two parts, the tribulation and the great tribulation. So the first three and a half years that the Christians, after the Christians, are raptured up into heaven, it's going to be a time of relative prosperity. As a matter of fact, the world is going to unite under one world government, and everybody's going to say, you know what? Things are going pretty good. Uh, we're, we're kind of glad that those crazy, fanatical Christians are gone. Uh, they were kind of holding, up, uh, holding us up from having a whole lot of fun. And uh, we're probably better off without them. And, and it appears that things are coming together. Although they're in the tribulation, for those first three and a half years, things are coming together under one world government, under one rule currency. And then all of a sudden, we get into that three and a half years. And all of a sudden, something radical happens. And uh, I won't get into all the details, but it turns into the great tribulation. This is where the mark of the beast is mandated that you must take the mark of the beast or you cannot trade, you cannot buy, you cannot sell, uh, you can't purchase a loaf of bread. And so those who refuse to take the mark of the beast, they, they are what is called the tribulation saints. Uh, they're going to be alive during that time. We know that it's going to be at least 144,000 Jews who are converted at that time, but there are going to be many Gentiles who are also going to be converted, but their faith is going to cost them a lot. For the next three and a half years, the last three and a half years of the tribulation, it's called the Great Tribulation. And then Jesus said this, Matthew 24, 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. We discover here the celestial heaven, the second heaven, at the end of the tribulation, the sun is going to be darkened. The moon's not going to give its light, and stars are going to fall from heaven, and the earth itself is going to be shaken because of the powers of heaven. Now listen, that's the second heaven. The first heaven is the atmospheric heaven. The second is the celestial heaven. As a matter of fact, when God told Abraham and his, he'd be having descendants that would be as numerous as the stars of heaven, we discover in Deuteronomy one twelve that God was referring to the stars that we see on a clear night. Those stars that we are so numerous, we can't even count them all. Uh, that's outer space. Now, we've been to outer space. We've had somebody on the moon on a few occasions. As a matter of fact, an interesting point about the celestial heaven, outer space. Nobody's been to the end of the outer space. We discover when the Russians went up into heaven, they went into outer space. Uh, they got out of their shuttle and they says, now, there's no God up here. We've looked all over the place. We don't find them. God does not exist. Well, I want you to know, they didn't go far enough. They only got to the second heaven. Uh, the Bible talks about a third heaven, and that is the home of God. The third heaven is way beyond outer space. 
In Hebrews 8, it says this. Paul is talking, and he says, We have this high priest that is sitting down at the right hand of God at the throne and the majesty of heaven. That's where God is. That's where Jesus is right now. Jesus came down from heaven through the second heaven into the atmosphere down here on earth 2,000 years ago, and he was born of a virgin in a little town called Bethlehem. Well, I want you to know that this home of God, that third heaven, is a fascinating place. It is a place that there'll be no more sorrow, no more pain. There'll be no more tragedy in heaven. As a matter of fact, I wrote down just a couple of the responses that I got on my Facebook page when I asked people why and how they, they look forward to going to heaven. And this is what they said. I most look forward to going to a place where there'd be no more pain, no more sorrow. Now, one of my, my friends, his name is Michael. I kind of like his response. He says, the greatest thing about going to heaven, I will get no more calls about my extended car warranties. Isn't that great? Now, sometimes I think they may be able to get a hold of us up in heaven as well, uh, but I'm not sure about that. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. We'll be free from all those extended warranties because we won't need them. That's a great thing about going to heaven. You know, one of my church members said this, I wish that heaven today had visiting hours so that we could see our loved ones and just spend a few minutes with them. Uh, isn't that cool? You know, the older I get, it seems like the more people are on the other side. But I want you to know, heaven is something that you don't want to miss. Now, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 13, verses 45 and 46. And, and John and Lee put this text in uh, when they responded to my Facebook question. And Jesus said, ah, the kingdom of heaven. It's like a merchant. You know, a merchant who is looking for fine pearls. And when he finds these fine pearls of great value, he goes and he sells everything in order that he may be able to buy it. Listen, you can't buy heaven, but heaven is worth more than anything you can possibly imagine. C.S. Lewis said this about heaven. Heaven is the home of God. It is the home of the believers. Aim at heaven and you get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. Well, today I want to talk to you about the benefits of knowing what heaven is all about, the benefits of knowing how to get to heaven. And to make it real easy for you, I'm going to use the letter N and give you four words to describe what heaven is like. I'm going to give you two today, and then you got to tune in tomorrow for the, for the last two. But the first thing about heaven is this. Everything is new. Everything is new. Revelation 21, verse number one. John says, Then I saw a new heaven. And a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. Wow. Do you get this picture? John is given a glimpse of heaven. Now, John wrote the book of Revelation from the Isle of Patmos. And it's very neat when you think about it because God had a special message that he wanted John to record. And the only way he could get John to slow down was to allow him to be exiled to this island so that God could share with him what heaven was going to be like, so that God could reveal to him what the end of human history was going to be like. So John writes down what he sees, and he says, I saw this new heaven and this new earth. Now, Peter mentions this new heaven and this new earth. 
And he says that he was looking forward to that new heaven and that new earth. And he says, it is a place where, where righteousness dwells. Now, I don't know about you, but I kind of get tired of new things quickly breaking down and falling apart. Now, I recently bought a new vehicle. Now, my wife and I have been married for 32 years, and we finally bought a brand new car. And uh, just three weeks ago, uh, we drove it off the car lot with only four miles on it. Man, it was great. New car smell. And, uh, you know, here we are uh, just three weeks later. and It's got uh, over 3,200 miles on it because I drive up and down Interstate 64. And, uh, you know, some of you may be listening to me right now on Interstate 64, or you may be on 664, or GPS may have rerouted you to go around the tunnel traffic. And so you may be up there on the uh, on the modern Merrimack Bridge Tunnel. Uh, you may be uh, going around traffic, trying to avoid traffic, and and uh, you're driving, and, and uh, you may be listening to me right now in Hampton Roads. And I want you to know, uh, heaven is a home for you, but I don't want you going there too soon. So be careful how you drive, okay? But you think about new things, right? You buy something brand new, drive it off the lot, has that new car smell on it. It doesn't take very long for that to go away. As a matter of fact, my new van is already losing its newness. It's only three weeks old. I was driving by on Interstate 64, getting ready to go into the tunnel. And wouldn't you know it, a rock came out of nowhere and hit my windshield. My brand new van's got a, a busted windshield. I called to see about getting my, my windshield replaced, and they said, well, we don't have that windshield in stock yet. Uh, that van's so new, we don't have the, the windshield available. And, and so I got to wait to get a windshield, right? Out of nowhere. You know something else I noticed about my new van? It doesn't have that, that new car smell anymore, right? It's losing its newness. I was telling somebody the other day, my car doesn't smell like a new van it doesn't have that new van smell. It now smells like Chick-fil-A. That's what it smells like. And McDonald's and all the other food that we have in that car. Why is that? Why can't my new van stay new? Why can't my new clothes stay new? Why can't my new house stay new? Because of a law. There is a universal law here on this earth. It is called the second law of thermodynamics. Now, this law is a law that is universal here on earth but it is a law that is not found in heaven. The second law of thermodynamics says this, that we are breaking down, that things are in a process of entropy. It always happens, right? Things go from order to disorder. Things go from new to old. You can clean your house, and then it seems like within a few minutes, it gets dirty again. Within a day or so, you see dust coming back in your house. This is because of the second law of thermodynamics. The first law of thermodynamics says that energy never loses its power. It just gets transferred. And so, for example, you take a ball and, and you drop it. That would be the law of gravity. But the first law of thermodynamics would say, well, that ball will, will hit the floor. It will come up, but it won't bounce up as high as you dropped it. Why is that? Because the energy was transferred to the floor. Some of it remained within that ball and it bounced back, but it didn't lose that energy. It was transferred to the floor. The floor felt the impact of that energy and absorbed some of that energy so that the ball then bounced up quite as high. When you think about the second law of thermodynamics, things are breaking down. This law is suspended in heaven. Why? The second law of thermodynamics is made possible because of S-I-N. 
The reason that we get old is because of sin. When God created Adam and Eve, they were meant to live forever, never to die. But then sin entered a picture. And as a result of that sin entering the picture, their bodies began to decompose. Well, I want you to know in heaven, everything is new and will stay new because there is no sin in heaven. Well, I hope that you join me tomorrow. We want to talk about the second fact of heaven, and that is God is near. And I want you to know if you're feeling brokenhearted right now, God is right there with you. And David said, even though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. So I hope you join us for the second part of this broadcast tomorrow, right here on the same radio station. Well, thank you so much for listening to me today. If you're interested in prison ministry, as I began the broadcast talking about prison ministry, would you give me a call? 252-267-2365. If I can pray with you or for you, if there's anything that you need help with, feel free to give me a call and I'd be happy to pray with you, put you on our prayer list, get our church praying for you. Thank you so much for listening to the broadcast today. So Lord, I pray for everyone listening today. I pray for their safety, their protection. I pray that you open up their hearts and their minds to the wonderful truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I thank you that you took the time from their day to listen to this broadcast. I pray a prayer of blessing upon them. In Jesus' name, amen. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3220 South Battlefield Boulevard, Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, you go to our website at www.hrcc7.org. No matter what you're going through, remember, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.